Father, we thank you for the prayers that have been prayed, the songs that have been sung. Father, for those that have participated in the giving, we just thank you for just an opportunity to worship you in all aspects. And Father, as we look into your word, we ask that it will touch the good soil of our heart and gain great root and that we will live thereby. We thank you and honor you for this season, God, and that this is the season that you have sent your son in order to reconcile us back to yourself. And we celebrate you for it, for it is you, we live, we move, and have our very existence. So we thank you and honor you for it all in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For those of us that were born in four climate states, this season is a little bit different than for those that are born in states that do not have distinctive four climates. Usually about this time of year where I'm from, the great state of Ohio, go Buckeyes, uh, this snow is just now starting to settle on the ground. It's been snowing probably since Thanksgiving by around this time, and the snow is starting to come in, so we know that winter has started blowing its cold, icy breath into the atmosphere. And so it kind of makes us want to stay in the house and turn up the heater and the furnace so that we can stay warm at night and walk around in our onesies with the foots in them so that we can stay warm at all times. And the old school ones with the two buttons in the back, so in the middle of the night when you had to go to, I'm, I'm sorry, I went a little bit too far. But anyway, uh, you know what I'm talking about. It's kind of cold and it's the good days when you wake up in the morning you want you don't want the cold cereal, you want to eat some oatmeal or something that'll keep you warm as you get ready to walk those 15 miles uphill both ways to school. Uh, it's a, season, a time in the season and the one thing that you're excited about when you're school age is that you only have a couple more weeks before you get what they call winter break. And that was the two weeks that you got off in order to celebrate Christmas and New Year's and then head back to school. One of my favorite things was to go down to the tire company and ask them, did they have any old inner tubes so that you could go ahead and put a patch on the, on the hole and you could put the inner tube and we had a park over by where we lived. And because you had a nice little bit of snow on there, you could go inner tubing down the hill and some folks wasn't good enough on their inner tube and actually ended up in the creek and by that time the creek hadn't fully frost iced over so some folks got wet which was always very humorous. But I wanted to bring up that for some of us that were not born in those type of states this just doesn't have the same environmental feel that it does for those that are born as I said in the four season states. You know, here in South Carolina, we have summer, and we have spring hot, spring medium, and spring cold. <laughs> spring cold is when the leaves start falling off the trees. Some of y'all will call it fall, but it's still 60-something degrees where we are, so y'all don't get mad at me. Uh, 
So, it, although the environment does contribute to that, I want our mindset to be what this season really is about. And that's why this new series that we're going to be talking about is going to be Emmanuel, God with us. The prophet Isaiah made a bunch of prophecies that tied in this coming Messiah and set the stage for the hope of Israel. And so what we're going to do over these next couple of weeks is talk about this phrase that he used, Emmanuel, God with us. Because I want us to remember, I want to remind us that Emmanuel, which means God with us. And sometimes we have to step back and say to ourselves, Emmanuel, God is with me. When I'm going through crazy situations, sometimes I just got to remind myself, Emmanuel, God is with me. Now, this, this situation didn't just happen. It, didn't, it wasn't like all of a sudden this happened. God had this planned all along. Before the beginning began, God had already placed this situation or this plan was in place. One of the things that we are discovering that when God created us, he created us in his image and in his likeness, which meant that he gave us choice. And because of choice, God came up with a plan in order to reconcile us to himself because we had choice. We had a Bible study a while back, and the question came, was in the Bible study, and it said, why would God put the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden if he wanted the garden to be perfect? Why didn't he just let Adam and Eve just run around in the garden and just be satisfied? Because he wanted them to have the opportunity for choice. I was talking to a friend of mine, and he's not sure whether he's agnostic, he's not sure whether he's atheist, he's not sure what he is, but he has a bunch of questions. So we'll sit down over some coffee, and he'll ask me questions. And one of his questions to me was, if God loved us, why does he allow babies to die? Because of war. Why does he allow people to get killed because of robberies? Why does he allow any of this to happen? And I, and I was telling him, I said, the problem is we don't have a total comprehension of what love really is. I said, now, we tell ourselves that we love our children. Y'all agree? Y'all tell yourselves that you love your children. However, our love for our children actually 
is self-serving. Our love for our children is not predicated upon an unconditional love. Our love for our children is based upon how I believe that what's going to be best for the children. How I think it's going to reflect upon me and my children. I said, so we really don't have an unconditional love for our children. If our children start doing something and we know that the outcome is going to be negative, we'll prevent them from doing it because we don't want the negative to come back on them or to come back on us. And he said, oh, I have to agree with you on that. I said, well, God's not like that. His love is unconditional. Whether you did the thing wrong, he's still going to love you. He's not going to be mad at you. He still is going to love you. He loves you in spite of your decisions. So we had to break because that was a little bit too deep for him. Because when you think about God loving us that much, that he allows us, because of his love, to not intervene in our decisions, it's hard for us to grab hold of that and say, well, God, why didn't you stop me? Because I love you so much that I want you to have the opportunity for choice. And so for that, God had to come up with this plan to reconcile us back to himself because he loved us. And he knew that because of our ability to choose that some of our choices would not be the right choices. So as we look into our scripture for today, which is going to be John, the first chapter, Starting at that first verse, I want to take some time to talk about God with us. I want to note that of what's called the four Gospels, John is the only Gospel that does things slightly different. John wasn't all about the history. John wasn't all about the servanthood. John wasn't all about making sure that the Jews understood like Matthew, Mark, and Luke were. John was wrapped around the fact that Jesus is Lord. And so he starts off his book by this. He says, English Standard Version. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness has not 
overcome it. Now, then none of the other Gospels start off with anything close to that. But he's looking not at the current. He's not looking at the future. John is talking about the past and how the past now affects our present. He's saying the word, the word which in the Greek is the word logos, logos, whichever way school that you went to in, in your pronunciation, looks at how the intelligence of God, the, the very essence of God, the wisdom of God was with God from the beginning. God then placed this logos in flesh. And it came to the earth to reflect to us how to live according to the law. Jesus said, I came not to destroy the law, not to destroy the rules, but I come to show you how they can be fulfilled. So he comes in order to be the fulfillment of what God has said is the law. The only way that we can understand this is to understand who gave the law. To understand how he acted, how he worked, how he interacted with the people. Jesus, I mean, John comes in and he uses this extreme contrast in order to explain how diametrically opposed this new concept is. He says that he comes in and he's the light of the world. I mean the light of men. And he says that the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness could not overcome it. The darkness could not consume it. The darkness could not cause it to diminish, the darkness just couldn't deal with it. Have you ever been in a totally dark room? I mean totally dark. Well, you put your hand like this and you think because of your sensor, senses, you say my hand is right in front of my face, but you can't see your hand. Have you ever been in a room that dark? If you are in a room that dark for a certain period of time, your body tries to adjust to try to find light. Because your body is attracted to light and not to darkness. If someone was to open the door and it was high noon outside, you wouldn't even be able to see for a moment because your eyes have tried to intensify to bring in light and it will overwhelm your eyes because of the brightness. You've seen on TV when folks are in a dark cave and they'll come upon a torch and they'll start doing like this and you'll see the lights of the, the flashes of the sparks in the middle of the cave and it shows you how darkness cannot overcome light. But that in the middle of darkness, light will always 
shy. In fact, I don't know if y'all ever done this. I, I, you know, I, I, I tell y'all, I was a good, good little boy. I, I, I loved doing experiments, and I loved doing all kinds of experiments. One of my experiments that I did because I heard the expression that it's like a moth being drawn to a candle. And so I found we had in our backyard, we had a lot of lightning bugs and all that kind of stuff flying around. And I saw some moths. So I wanted to see what that meant. So I took a candle out there and I went over there and I started walking around and the moths would just fly right into the candle. Well, my experiment was if I do it with a blowtorch, will they still fly into it? So, yes, they will. Especially when you chase them down and put the blowtorch on them to see if they'll burn. Okay, all right, I'm just, just sorry. That was my experiment, burning up malls in the middle of the night. All right. The word, when, and when it talks about the darkness could not overcome, it's talking about how the darkness could not comprehend, could not understand because at the time, you have to remember that at this time, Jesus had not resurrected, so the world was covered by darkness. It was covered by sin, and when he came, it caused some issues in the spiritual world. Because now he was this light walking around, touching and transforming lives and causing things to change because he was God with us. The darkness thought that when they crucified him, they had him. They, they thought when they tempted him, they, they might have him. They, they thought they had him. <coughs> but the next thing they know, the light would just shine and overcome the darkness. The true light came when God raised him up from the dead, resurrected him, and caused him to have all power in his hands. <coughs> we have to grab hold of the fact that in the beginning, I want to hit this real quick. I say this a lot, and I just want to make sure that we understand this. There is an uncaused cause, okay? An uncaused cause for how the world was created. Now, the atheists say that we don't really know what the uncaused cause was because... We don't know. Well, I mean, the agnostics will say that. The atheists just say it just happened. But we've come with intelligent design. We have come to this point where we're saying that something had to cause, whether you call it the Big Bang, whether you call, whatever you call it, something has to have caused that to occur. Y'all agree with that? Something had to have happened. So when, he, when John is saying in the beginning, he is saying actually... If I was to rephrase it, I would say before the beginning began. 
Okay? Before the beginning began was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. God was there before the beginning began because He is the uncaused cause for the beginning to begin. Did I say beginning too many times? I mess you up. I'm sorry. But you have this point where civilization began, but you have to have something that caused this to happen. So we call this something that caused it to happen the uncaused cause or uncaused reason. We don't know what, how, how this be, came to be, but we know this happened. Okay? And so we, as Christians, say that's God. God is the uncaused reason. Nothing created God. He just is before is became what it is. So in the beginning, or before the beginning, was the Word. Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit were all together, operating in unity, harmony, and causing things to be what they were. And so when we understand that, this is how the plan could already have been in place for redemption to be set up. <coughs> because he was chosen before the creation of the world. This plan was in set, but he was, reviewed, he was revealed in these last times so that we could understand that God had a plan. And because of his plan, we can be redeemed. So that now our faith and our hope, our confidence can be in God who sent his son to redeem us. Have you ever made a plan? Have you ever attempted to go on a trip somewhere? One of the things that you do when you get ready to go on a trip, you start doing an analysis of what you might do on the trip. For instance, if you wanted to go to Disney World, first of all, you would figure out what bank you're going to rob so that you can have enough money so that you can go. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But you would have to make sure, first of all, that you had this sufficient amount of funds in order to go. Then you would figure out where you're going to stay and whether you're going to stay in one of the parks or whether you're going to stay outside the park and how you're going to eat. You, have, you come up with all these plans in order to enjoy your trip. Now, there are some of us that when we plan, we plan down to the minute. I'm not talking about Miss Yolanda. All right? I'm not talking about her. Some of us plan down to the hour. Still not talking about Miss Yolanda. Some of us plan down to the day. Still not talking about Miss Yolanda. And some of us plan down 
to the event. That's Miss Yolanda. Let's just go. We'll have fun when we get there. But some of us are so meticulous about we need to leave at 9.05 so that when we arrive, all the traffic in this area and this area will be gone. If you leave at 9.06, you sitting in the car having conniptions, sweating, worried about what's going to go wrong because you left 45 seconds behind your schedule. And so, quiet there. So, we all have an ability to plan, but the thing that we want to do when we plan is that the reason that we do plan is because we have an expectation. We have an event that we want to go to. We want to do some things. And this is the same thing with God's plan. God had an expectation that he wanted. He wanted us to be reconciled back to him because he has a standard that he cannot violate. He said, because of sin, I can't bring them back, but i tell you what I'll do. I'll redeem them back to myself so that we can be back in fellowship. To close this out, I want to say it like this. You robbed a person. You robbed them for a certain amount of money. You get caught. You go in and you're standing before the judge. And you tell the judge, well, judge, I just, I, I, I just had to rob him. The judge says, all right, are you ready for your sentence? And you say, yes, I'm ready for my sentence. And the judge says, your sentence is... Uh, life in prison and you have to pay back every penny that you took from the person. And as you bow your head because you realize how wrong you are, the person that you stole from walks into the courtroom and says, Your Honor, I've come to provide restitution for this person. The judge says the only way that you can provide restitution is that you need to give me this amount of money and you need to take their, spend their time in jail. And the person says, I'll do that. Look at y'all. Everybody says, God bless you. Exactly. That's what God did for us. God took our penalty, life separated from him, and allowed himself to be separated in order so that we could be free. That is why it's important for us to understand that God is with us. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. He's always with us. He was with us from the beginning. Be with us till the end. When darkness tries to come in and put us down and cause us not to feel as if we are worthy any longer, guess what? He's still with us. Like I told you, light, darkness cannot comprehend light. 
Jesus is the light of the world. And because he's light, guess what? He's in you. So you have light in you. So when darkness comes, just remember you have light that will provide direction. The Bible tells us that his word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And if we follow after him, he will give us what we need because God is with us. So all throughout this week, I challenge you to take time and just remember the word, Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you had this plan from the beginning. And although the enemy thought he had us, that you had devised a plan whereby we will be reconciled back to you. We thank you, God, that because you are in us and we are in you, that God, you can, that you have provided us opportunity to be reconciled back to you. And because of that, that we can walk as your sons and your daughters. We thank you, we honor you, we glorify you for it, and we bless you in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.